We're back. And so apparently are the high-flying Dallas Stars. Good to be with you boys again. How are you, Mike? I'm doing good. How about you, Daryl? I'm fine. Fun. You're not winning. The team's winning. Or maybe you are winning. Are you winning at life right now? I am. Okay. Proceed. Everything's good in the bubble. We'll get into the uh, bubble boy report a little later on, but all things good in Edmonton? We are, we are doing excellent. Okay. We are winning. Yeah, we, we are winning. The, uh, a lot of wheeze going on all of a sudden <laughs> as the stars fill the net. True. Prior to that, it was always them and they. <laughs> now it's us. Uh, okay. Th- th- this, this series, and I have it through two games as, as two nothing stars. You guys are the same? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Us, yep. The uh but I also have it as as a battle of fist versus fingers. I touched on this last night. Uh I'm sure you guys were not tuned into it, but anyway. Uh basically my premise is that the Colorado Avalanche are a bunch of fingers. And they they've got quite a pointer finger, by the way, in Nate McKinnon. Whereas the stars are a fist. They play like a fist. And we all know that, that a fist is stronger and more powerful than just a bunch of digits that are out, you know, jazz handing uh, on one side and the other. What do you think of my analogy? It's beautiful. It is, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it actually is. It's funny, and I, I'll go all the way back to uh, Bob Ganey when he was coach of the Stars back in 93 and 94, and he said the same analogy about how they needed everybody to play together and the five fingers on a hand forming a fist and all that. It, it really is true. Well, and don't say it, it in defeated tone like that. Like, so I'm just saying, you know, it's, 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 it's a good analogy. It's beautiful. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, it, and it really is true. I mean, they, <laughs> when they don't play their game, they're kind of all over the place. When they do play their game, they're really together. And it's a stark contrast for this particular team. Yeah, well, there have been times when it's been a weak fist, and you know what happens if you throw a punch with a weak fist. The likelihood of breaking your hand. Yeah. And uh, and but right now, man, they are socking you right in the jaw with this thing. Uh, and and at times they need to get smacked in the face. I think what they do it, most of the time, at least uh, bubble world, is they wait to get slapped across the face by the five fingers. Slap. And then uh, they ball up their fist, and they they start throwing haymakers. And the last, what, two of the last three games, man, second period pummelings of the Calgary Flames and now the Colorado Avalanche. Once they get get going, I mean, call the fight. You have to jump in there like a linesman and pull that arm back. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But it is is pretty impressive that that they have kind of found their – their stride here at the most opportune time of the year. And if they win tomorrow, I'll say it, it'll be a five finger death punch. The old five finger meat soother right to the kisser of the Colorado avalanche. It would, it would be, it's funny. A lot of what they're talking about now in the Colorado media or around the team is that they didn't really have any adversity this year. So now is adversity, and you can get them down three nothing. That's I mean, they didn't. That, that that is hogwash, uh, poppycock <laughs> manure. They didn't have any adversity. My God, they they they're in two thirds of their top line was missing. 
for portions of the year. Their number one goaltender was injured at the end of the year. I think they used five goalies this year. That's a crock. Well, they're they're, they're getting it. they're getting outplayed. They're getting outplayed because they're they're a team of mental midgets is why they're getting uh, beaten right now in this series. You can make the argument that oh you mentally toughen up by going through adversity, but you can't ignore what they had to get through during the year. Their problem is they have a bunch bunch of guys who look like they prefer to be somewhere else right now than in this series. And and they easily get frustrated. They're a little bit immature as a team. And then uh, they're heavily relying on one line to get everything done for them. And uh, now their they're goaltending's severely in question. And their blue line's dinged up. That, that's the thing about about injured team or injury prone teams is they tend to get injured. Yes. And that that's what the Avalanche have been this year. They they sustained a lot of injuries during the campaign and it hasn't changed here in the playoffs. Yeah. And the irony for the Stars is their two players who are injured are injury prone. So Yeah. I mean, just, you know, it, it, you're right. I mean it, if you have a history there's a you know better than zero chance that you might struggle with something at a, a most uh, inopportune time. They lost their two home games at the beginning of the series. What, what do you get? I mean, come on. They had the advantage of altitude and everything else. <laughs> it's going to be interesting just to see what Rick Bonus does with his line changes now. He doesn't usually try to match much. Uh, well, why, why would you even need to? Yeah. Just like if, you watch, if you watch the first two games, some of that uh, Colorado arrogance that maybe has dribbled over from the late 90s is in place again where they, they're – not fighting to get uh, McKinnon in that line away from uh, the FCC line or, or Miro Haskin. And now they play so much uh, that you, you have to uh, deploy multiple units against them. You can't just, you know, you can't play Radic Fox at 25 minutes a game. So you have matched up against, against him. Uh, so, it, you know, last, last change. Yeah, it might help, but here's it. Did you hear that, that stat? I'm full of information today. Um, they, there was a stat came out that just blows the idea of home ice advantage out of the water. Just like a mid-ocean depth sounder. Kaboom. They, since 2017, the home team and the road team in the Stanley Cup playoffs have won exactly the same number of games. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, it is. It's stunning. There is no home ice advantage in in uh, the National Hockey League anymore. We kind of got that sense last year in the playoffs. I, I think it finally set in. And, of course, that, that was a normal playoff where there were fans and supposed advantages with, uh, you know, the cacophony of sound and the den of iniquity that you're dealing with. But the reality of it was that road teams were winning just as much as home teams. So it's moot to boot. And now they're in a bubble. All right. On to the uh, offensive juggernaut. Cause I know you're just uh, chomping at the bit as it were, Mike Heike to get into this. What, what is an actual juggernaut is the question I posed to myself when I was coming up with this uh, idea. You know what a juggernaut is? Is that a military term? No, it, it's a huge, powerful and overwhelming force or institution. Hmm. 
It's also a Marvel Comics character. <laughs> well, that's the important one. I think I believe it is in 2020. Juggernaut. <laughs> I've got all the action figures. <laughs> so for the first 82 games this year, if you start with the preseason and you roll through the truncated regular season into an exhibition game, round-robin games, and uh, the first, I guess, the first game of, of the Calgary series, they were averaging 2.4 goals a game. Like they were scraping and clawing to score two or three goals a game. And in the last 11 days, they're averaging over four goals a game. So aberration or absolution, or this is what we were all waiting for, and finally it's, it's uh, a volcanic eruption of offense that we knew was in there somewhere but had been dormant. I think it's the latter. I mean, I read like we've we've listed the numbers, and I know they're not twenty three or twenty five or you know Perry or or Pavelski. They're you know getting up there in age, and Jamie Ben you know has had a little you know miles on the tires. But these guys have done this before. I mean, Corey Perry scored in the playoffs. Joe Pavelski scored in the playoffs. Jamie and Tyler and and Radulov were one of the top lines in the league a couple of years ago. Um, so now, can they do that on a consistent basis and produce those numbers over 62 or 82 games? Uh, I don't know. Uh, but they can certainly do it in a short span, and they can certainly do it when they get momentum and they get confidence. And that yeah. seems what they have right now. Yeah, I, I think there are factors in, in this spasm of goal scoring that we are witnessing. And one – Rick Bonus had, had alluded to this in, in my conversations when I was really bringing it to the people on television, that the, the, there's a real trust. They, they, they built a trust, and it probably goes back to what you just said, Mike, which is confidence. Uh, trust and confidence are always shaking hands with one another. But the, the defense and the forwards, there's a trust there now. So the, the D-men understand if they hold – the blue line, or if they pinch aggressively in the attacking zone, that there is going to be a forward back covering for them. And if that's spotty as it had been at times previous to that, well, then your, your D men are a little nervous and, and they play more tentative and they back up more. And you're trying to play three forwards against all of their players and their goaltender in the offensive zone. So that's helped. The, the other part of the or another part of the equation is the opposing net minding has not exactly been Vesna caliber in in the bubble in the right. in the playoff portion of it. Like Cam Talbot was not great. Like he had pockets of excellent play, but look at some of those goals that went in. I mean, it looks like they dressed me for a period and and had me go at it. Although I would have been probably better than that. Pretty cocky in my abilities. <laughs> and uh, and then, and then I would I would you know even in this series like I think Pavel Francouz came out after last night's game and said I have to be better. And when you have opposing goaltenders in the playoffs that are like man I kind of sucked uh, I got to get my act together. That that that's going to feed some of your offense and probably some of the doubts on on their side as to how uh, they're going to get through this. And uh, and then the other part is exactly what you said. It's just confidence. I mean, we've seen it forever where 
uh, especially in goal scoring and goal scorers, people that get paid and, and are expected to score. Uh, when when they finally get a goal, whether it's off their shin pad or last night off their clavicle like uh, Alexander Radulov, then all of a sudden they, they're like, yeah, no, I, people stop asking them about the fact they haven't scored a lot and they feel better and they think they're going to score and all of those things. Mind. The mind is an incredible thing. So uh, I think those factors are the are the biggest reason for it. Um, and I, I agree with you, Mike. I, I think it's been there. You don't create that many opportunities with with the regular uh, heartbeat that this team did all year, and and not think that at some point they're going to score some goals. And and they're doing it, man. They're doing it at a good time of year. It's funny if you look at the personnel, and it's easy to just you know give them all the balloons when everything's going well, but. So you take Perry and Pavelski and Ben Sagan, Radzloff, and then you mix in Garyanov and Hintz, and we've seen a couple of their shots uh, and just how good they are in the last couple of games. And then you flip the switch on that one and say, well, what about their defensive forwards too? I mean, Cagliano, Como, uh, Foxa, Yanmark, Dickinson, these are the guys who can do the things to help to support the D-men when they join the rush. So the personnel is there to run the system, and it just seems like everything that they actually have, they're using in a proper way right now. And yeah. like I said, it's good luck and everything. And, you know, you do, <laughs> yeah, you do have stuff bouncing off guys' <laughs> clavicles, but but they do. Like if you if you dissect it and say, okay, let's have the demon, you know, join the play. Well, you better have some pretty good forwards backing them up. Well, they do have some pretty good forwards who can back them up when they do that. So it, it's an interesting mix right now. Yeah, I mean, it's just a commitment to what they want to do. And then you have success with it. But let's, before we hand them all the balloons, <laughs> as you say, uh, maybe we should talk about some of the balloon knot aspects of, of what has gone on up there, too. Like getting outshot 20 to 6 in the opening period last night, or going down three zips six minutes into game six against the Calgary Flames. It, it's not like this has been just an absolute uh, onslaught from the stars. They've survived some stuff in order to have good fortune go their way at the other end of the rink and at the end of the game. I mean, they're 12 seconds away from going down 3-1 to Calgary. Uh, They get a player injured in that series. It's their leading scorer in this series in in the second period of game one. They lose their starting net. I mean, there's some stuff is lining up for this team right now. And yeah, you have to have that. Oh, my God, yes. I mean, every team that's ever gone deep or won a Stanley Cup will tell you, first and foremost, health was the major reason why they went as deep as they did. I mean, I think back to when the L.A. Kings won the Cup, one of their Cups. They had six defensemen. They played the same six defensemen for the entirety of the playoffs. Wow. And that, that's almost unheard of. You you have to use some of your depth at that position with the amount of physicality that goes on and the and the uh, shot blocking and everything else. But they ran with six and and steamrolled everybody that year. So yeah, I mean things are things are going well, and but they but they're also dodging some things that aren't going very well at, at times. 
Well, and when things don't go well, they adjust to it very well. I'll give you this one. It's just come out of left field. But when you look at how the coaching staff has handled Sekera, I mean, he, he started out not playing particularly well. And then, you know, uh, uh, Johns gets hurt, so Fadoon has come in. So now that pair is playing, and it just seems from the TV, the coaching staff doesn't have a whole lot of trust in him. I mean, you just can kind of feel that. And then all of a sudden, they just kind of feed them a little bit more, and they feed them a little bit more. They feed, and all of a sudden, Sekera last night's playing, what, six minutes, seven minutes on the penalty kill, and 18 minutes overall, and, and look just fine. And so, you know, you talk about the trust and the bond and all of that stuff. They have this, I don't know what it is, this innate um, understanding that when things get bad, they can handle it. And that's individuals and that's the coaching staff and that's the group as a whole. Um, there is that feeling that they trust each other. And, and so when the bad things have come up, they've, they've handled it pretty well. Yeah, I mean, and again, there's there's two sides to every street, and uh, this this is probably a better style of series for certain individuals, just be, because of the way the Avalanche play. Yep. Um, you know, they they are they are just uh, drunk with skill and trying to make pretty plays like that. That's their world, and and you saw, I think you saw it last night on. Uh, on, on their special teams, as wicked as that power play is, they, they get they get married to what they want to do, and instead of adjusting to what the penalty kill is actually giving them, they'll they'll just force stuff. And at times it'll be spectacular offense, and at times it'll you can see the frustration build in them when they don't get their way. That that's the sign of a, a really immature group to me. And the the stars have a you're right. I mean, I've said it probably too much, and it's the it's an overused cliche, but it's true. They, the stars do bend, but they don't fully snap very often. And whether that's their goaltending, making sure they're only down by a couple, they're never down by five. You know, I don't know that they. Although this team might be able to come back from down five <laughs> right now, but you know what I mean. Like, they, yeah. so they get they they get scored on twice on the power play. Then they get a five on three and they score on both sides of it. You know, I, I don't think they, I, I can't remember the last time they did that. And, and it's in a critical uh, juncture of the hockey game. You know, they get a six on five goal. They get a, they get a late goal uh, from Alexiak to tie a game. Like just all these things. So to me, it just speaks to there's, there's an internal community will to win with them that, that has built up and, and has galvanized up there with what they're going through. And they're, uh, now they're an, an extremely difficult team to get your boot on the throat of. Like they, they wriggle and fight and squirm and they, they want to win. And yeah. they'll, they'll fight to the bitter, bitter final buzzer end. And now on top of that, before it was always, hey, look, we understand what we are, and we're gonna have to win a low-scoring game, grind you, and all this. Well, now they're thinking, and I, I go back to this in this thought. Remember when we were in Edmonton <laughs> the first time with the actual team, and we were traveling with them, and Jamie Ben hadn't scored in eons, and they were down in the game. And I remember after the game, Tyler Sagan scored a late goal to tie it, and then Jamie won it in overtime, and. Joe Pavelski was talking to you guys and stating that he said between periods, basically, Hey, look, we're never out of it. We're, this group's not, 
never out of a game. And there was that that uh, old soul lines under the eyes belief that you can come back in any game. Just just believe it and just keep going and push. And I think that attitude and leadership has has sort of permeated through the group now. And now they do believe that, that their offense can strike enough to dig themselves out of a you know, a, a, a rather sizable hole. You know, two nothing, three nothing now. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting too, I think, because we annoy Tyler and Jamie and Brads and some of it is, you know, when we keep asking them about lack of scoring. And and I do honestly think they've gotten to the point was of, you know, will you guys just stop talking about that? Because we don't care. And, you know, they don't say that. That's not the words. But you get that tone like, yeah, we're, we're fine. We'll score when we need to score. And, like, they have that chip on their shoulder like, look, I'm sorry we didn't get, you know, 80 points a player this year, but we'll be fine. And, you know, sometimes that can come across negatively. And sometimes it's just like, you know what, we're fine. We'll take yeah. care of this. Wouldn't you love so, to get in your heads and, and figure out whether they truly believe that or if they were just annoyed at you? <laughs> I think you just – well, it's funny, too. Uh, Joe Pavelski said earlier in the tournament when that one puck just went off the skate and went in, he goes, he goes I was so relieved. And then I think both Tyler and Jamie have, like, thrown monkeys off their back. And they clearly know – Tyler specifically knows exactly how many games it's been since he scored a goal. So it's in their head, but I think they also get that – athletic arrogance of, you know, don't question me. I know what I'm doing. And, and I do think there's, there's some good to that. Yeah. Well, it, it's, Hey, scoring goals is fun. Yeah. It's a, it's a good deal. Here's a nugget for you. I went back to the 99, 2000 season stars abs. Uh, so it would have been the second year they met in the Western conference final. But if you, if you couple in the regular season, they played a dozen times that year. Wow. Not, not once did they combine for more than five goals in a game. <laughs> it was just two to one, three to two, two to nothing, over and over and over. And think of the offensive firepower that was available on those two teams. It's got to be a dozen Hall of Famers, right? Hey, well, close to it. Yeah. And yet they, they could only squeeze out five goals, four or five goals a game. Wow. Between the two of them. Isn't that nuts? Yeah. yeah. Speaking of uh, of not being able to squeeze out some offense, how about how about Anton Hidobin? Is he destined to follow Roman Turek as the greatest backup to leave following a Stars Stanley Cup victory? It could definitely happen that way. Wouldn't that, wouldn't that be just nuts? Yeah. But, I mean, it, and the flip side of it all is that Okay, if you commit to him, then you're, you know, putting Jake Ottinger on the shelf and possibly trading him. And, you know, now you've got 34, 35-year-old goalies for three years or whatever you got well, they're, not, they're not doing that. They're, yeah, they're I don't think they are either. No, 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 no. I mean, young, young players are cheap, and young, talented players are a luxury, and that's what Jake Ottinger is. Um, it's, he's making it a difficult uh, departure if that's – going to yeah. be the case. Look, he you're not going to be able to pay him enough money for him to stay. He just can't, right? I think it's a term more than anything. I think if, if he came in and said, hey, I want $5 million for a year or whatever, I think they'd give it to him easy. It's just he wants three or four years. Or for one year? Four. Yeah, I would. Oh, he's never doing yeah. that. Would well, he do wouldn't that? do it. No, I would do it, but he wouldn't. No, he, oh, this is mean, his time to strike. You mean to write for DallasStars.com? You'd, you'd take $5 <laughs> 
Would it sacrifice my? I, I might have to go to arbitration. Well, I think I'm worth more. <laughs> it that that's the business after it. Right now, yeah. he is he is uh, he is he's playing great. He hasn't always played great in the bubble. Like he he was a bit of a rebound factory early in that series against uh, Calgary, but he was regurgitating some rubber. But last night was one of the most pure, uh, secure goaltending performances I've seen in a long time. I I was stunned watching it that the number of point blank, like 10 bell grade A scoring chances that just stuck to him, like no rebounds. He no. devoured the puck last night. And that was a, I mean, just, just think, they had all the block shots they had in the game. They gave up 20 shots on goal in the first period. And yet he was masterful with his rebound control. Like that that's nutty. Yeah. And he said I asked him uh last night and he said he gets better the more he plays. And I think that's the same for any goalie. Jesus. Uh, yeah, it was shocker. Um, you mean but, it's not you mean it's not easy to play once every two weeks? Really? Yeah. Really. Yeah. But but he feels I think he's in the groove right now and I think it looks like he's in the groove. The other yeah. thing that was hilarious last night was so uh, him and Reddick Fox are, are answering questions in other languages. And uh, so uh, Hudobin goes on a fairly long Russian answer, and, and Radic's kind of rolling his eyes. And so then they ask Radic a question in uh, Czech, and Radic's just, I think he's trying to stretch the answer out just to annoy Hudobin. And then you look at Hudobin, he's looking over at Radic. And he's just laughing. And then as soon as Raddick's done with the answer, Hudobin just bangs out like a rim shot on the table. And you're like, this guy is truly crazy. And yet he's a fantastic goalie. I guess they go hand in hand. Well, he's crazy because he was looking at the other player? What? Yeah, they were just they were goofing on each other. After a huge win yeah. in the playoffs, and they're, they're just like they're, they're they're teammates. Yeah, they're getting they're they're getting stuck on a stage where they they're living in a village of other hockey players, and then they get thrust onto a stage and they take questions from all over the globe uh, out of the darkness. Yeah, I I think I'd joke around a little bit too and find the funny in that. <laughs> it just struck me as he can, he can do both. He can be hilariously funny and yeah, he's uncompetitive. He, he's unflappable. But yep. you're right. That's a good point, Mike. He. He does. He has uh, a, w- a will to win and compete uh, that is second to none, and that's what makes him uh, a pretty special performer at that position. Speaking of special performers, Miro, Makar, and McKinnon, the M's, more special M's in this series than all of Moore's Mars Corporation. <laughs> There's your rim shot right there. <laughs> We need Anton drumming on the table for that. Maybe not. <laughs> hey, by the way, before we talk about those three, M and M's are a great candy, are they not? Yeah, I actually like Mars bars better. Well, whatever. Tootsie, do you, do you agree? <laughs> like, peanut M and M's. Well, they're regular, just okay. Well, that's the thing. But, no, no, but they 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 branched out. They're smart. It's marketing. Like they have a caramel M and M's that to die for, and I love peanut butter M and M's. No, no, it's it's become too much, and there's pretzel M and M's. There's like a coffee hazelnut M and M. No, that's no peanut M and M's should have ended it there. That's the best candy. 
I'd love well, to I, thought, I thought your generation was all about choice. I guess I guess that's true. I guess yeah, you have to have what are you of options. Old, you know, fart. I just want the chocolate one. Ah, fair you point. Know, fair the, point. The peanut. I I I don't even know what a Mars bar is though. Is that still a candy? Yeah, it's delicious. I think I think you Mike probably ate a lot of those when he went to silent movies as a kid. <laughs> was doing that. <laughs> Like you, you guys probably don't even know what Smarties are, do you? You Americans think that they're that god awful sweet candy. Yeah, that disgusting like dusty candy. Yeah, yeah, it's not. That's not what they are. Smarties are ca- basically Canadian M and M's, and oh, they're, uh, they're smaller, right? More candy coating. Well, yeah, they. I don't know, but the, they feel a bit yeah harder. Yeah. I can still I can still remember and sing the Smarties song. If you guys want to hear it, do you think the the podcast listener wants to hear it? <laughs> I think the last three remaining listeners right now would love to. <laughs> wow, that is a shot. Second <laughs> round of the playoffs, Toti. Yeah, you're the one that's that true. you're the one that contacted us and wanted to do this. <laughs> that's right. We're all winning right, all right. now. We're doing our you go. doing numbers. Yeah, count count me in. Three, two, one. When you eat your Smarties, do you eat the red ones last? Do you suck them very slowly or crunch them very fast? Eat that candy-coated chocolate, but tell me what I ask. When you eat your Smarties, do you eat the red ones last? And did you perform that in front of the Ray family at family functions? No, I mean, if it was on, it was a commercial <laughs> on Canadian TV, all two channels that we have up there. Repeatedly. I see you dancing in your pajamas in the living room singing that to your mom and dad. When you eat your Smarties, do you eat the red ones last? Do you suck them very slowly or crunch them very fast? Come on, that's catchy. That is catchy. Yeah. All right. Uh, speaking, of, speaking of sucking on things very slowly, the uh, old torts is sucking on 25K uh, around the hubbub news. He's a little lighter. Uh, the head coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, he got fined because he didn't hang around long enough after they got eliminated on the stage, taking questions from the distance. Uh, here, here's my take. Is it that hard to be just cordial and professional? Like he, I think he answered two questions and used about five words in doing so. And it does smack a little bit of little man syndrome, what was going on. But that said, do we not make head coaches talk too much in our sport? Or maybe it's sports in general? Yes, 100%. Like, it's funny, even watching Rick, I think you bring up Anton may not be back. I'm not sure, and Rick's doing a wonderful job, but I'm not sure he wants to be the guy who comes out here every single day, sometimes twice a day, to talk to us idiots. Uh, I do think it wears on even the kindest, nicest people. It's it's just a really cruel thing to do to somebody. Do you, I'll ask a question. Do, do you know, like, I don't remember this always being this way. Do you, do you know why? Is it in an agreement of some sort where the coach has to talk every single day? Um, I do believe they put media availability. They they allow a team to put an assistant coach up there. Uh, which they do? Is, yeah, Hitch took advantage of that a couple of times. Yeah. Um, but, again, I just feel 
that it's an entertainment business. Uh, there's a lot of money on the line for the networks and for the teams, and they feel the coach needs to go out there and represent and, you know, whip up the fans into a frenzy, however you do that. And yeah. most of them try not to, um, but I do think there is a nice dance between the people asking the questions and the coach to try and get the information to the people. And I do think the people who are fans of the game appreciate it. It's, it's a soap opera. They want as much information as they can get. And I, so the, yeah. the coach I know is a part I, of that. I agree with all that. I just, you know, you sit there and you watch, and I've, I've apologized to our coaches many times, uh, just saying, because I'll grab them from time to time and have a personal moment just to ask stuff that I don't necessarily want uh, repeated out in the in the general uh, assembly of, of reporters. You don't know where it's going to go on Twitter and that now, and sometimes you get information that is just between you and a coach, and, and they trust that you're going to handle it the right way. But, I mean, they, they, they come in the morning, and they have to talk in the morning. And then they have to do their various – you know, radio or uh, television like us, there's a meeting with us. So there's there's basically three meetings for them in the morning. And then they come back, and then after the game, they got they have to talk again. And then the next day, doesn't matter when you got in or whatever, there's supposed to be availability at some point that next day and talk again. And it just goes over and over and over like this. And I've had coaches say to me, like, I, I, I don't even understand how you guys have stuff to ask. Like, it's Groundhog Day, day after day. There are some days that are more newsy than others, right? Oh, yeah. Well, and even like, okay, so we're annoying Rick, and I, and I get it, but we keep asking about Ben Bishop and Stephen Johns, and Rick's patented answer is they're unfit to play. Uh, but today he said that Ben Bishop skated. Well, that's kind of news. Uh, he skated. He might be available. You know, they got a back-to-back situation coming up here on the weekend. You know, maybe Ben Bishop will be available if they want to use two goalies. Um, so as much as it's annoying that we keep asking and he keeps answering the same way, one day the answer is different. Um, yeah. So it, it's weird. I will say this, that, you know, I try and communicate with fans as much as possible. And, and whoever is a big fan of the team and really wants to follow the story, they appreciate stuff. They appreciate understanding is this guy in or out? What's his injury? Uh, why did the coach make this choice? They get mad at us for not asking enough why. Um, but on the flip side of all that, I do laugh when they're all just in pure panic and the coaches are like, yeah, we're fine. The players are like, we're fine. And they're like, no, you're not fine. You know, the fans <laughs> are just screaming at them. And, and I do think the attitude that we're fine, we're not going to get wrapped up in the media or the fans, you know, knee-jerk to every single period, um, I think it frustrates the fans, but I also think from the players' and coaches' standpoint, that's exactly how they have to live. I think it's the smartest way to compete in this weird, you know, job that they have uh, because you can't, you can't get caught up in stuff. You can't, you can't just because your agent sends out a picture with a sword in your back from the coach. You, you can't get caught up in that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, can imagine putting that fire out in – Vegas, wow. And winning helps that. Yes, of course. Well, yeah, and the guy you start shuts him out. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, I think Pete DeBoer can handle it. He had the greatest quote in, in the bubble yet, though, too. And it came it came because there were some people that took Rick Bonus's words 
and ran with them after he said that, you know, this is not easy. It's not easy. It can't be easy. I feel for those guys up there, but yeah. you know, some people don't want to hear it and brought in all kinds of things. And they asked the Burr the, the same thing. And he's like, well, I don't know, but all, all I know is the, there's uh, an endless supply of hockey to watch and an endless supply of beer to drink here. So life's good. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of puts oh. things in perspective. It does. But I think what Torts needs is like a press secretary. I think all coaches should have a press secretary, just like the president. You yeah. can just trot, uh, you know, Tom Holy should be the guy uh, facing the media. It'd be more entertaining probably. And, uh, <laughs> oh, undoubtedly uh, it, it would. And, uh, then they could just spin things up there. I think it'd be yeah. more fun to than have coach speak every day. And some coaches are are way more forthcoming than others. I, I think at times early in this series against Colorado, Jared Bednar, their excellent young head coach, has probably been too forthcoming <laughs> with some of his criticism of his own group uh, and that he's not pleased with with performances from many uh, on the Avalanche for good reason. They have one line going, but. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we love it when they're honest, right? No, I do. Yeah. But it's also funny. I do think that, that, you know, in talking to older players, players who are our age, uh, that used to be important. They'd, they'd look in the newspaper and look for their name and see if the coach is talking about them. And now I, I don't even know if it, it gets to the players. Like, I don't even oh, know no. if they know if the coach says something bad about them. No, so. they, they have, they have so many meetings and, and, uh, they get so much feedback internally. The communication is so much different. I'm, back in the day, coaches communicated through the newspaper. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's how they that's how they talk to players. I mean, they didn't talk to players face to face very often. Uh, and now, uh, you, you think they talk to us a lot? Uh, they have to talk to their players ad nauseum in there too. Anyway, uh, Tosi, how's the bubble? It's good. Today is one month here, which is crazy. Did you have a cake or anything? Celebrate? No. No. I don't think many people have realized. But, uh, yeah, that's crazy to think that we've been here this long. Still all good on my end, honestly. We got to get out, actually take our first field trip this week and go over to a CFL stadium and run around. So that was fun. Did you have to sign permission slips or anything to go on the field trip? No, we didn't. But it, no. it was uh, yeah, welcome, welcome break. First time yeah. out of the bubble. I bet it was. How white are you? Like ping pong ball white now, or? Yes, that's and I was thinking about that actually when we went to the stadium. Like that was really my first prolonged sunlight. That is very, that's very minimal. Out you got to get, you got to get some vitamin D pills supplements yeah. there, baby. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Definitely, definitely translucent. <laughs> okay, can see through Tosi. Uh, hi. <laughs> My, the, yeah. the, the Mike Heike hang your shingles report. How are you doing? <laughs> uh, good. Uh, it was fairly minor, and it was uh, caught early. And the doctor said uh, that uh, things are looking good. It, I hate to use this terminology because it just it, he says, you know, uh, once that scabs up, it'll be fine. Oh, great! That's thanks so much for that. <laughs> probably on what we didn't really need to hear. <laughs> on that note, no, no. Yeah, we should get out of here on that. <laughs> All right, let's let's. I'll, I'll close it this way, unless Mike wants to ask eight more questions after I finish this. Uh, there's a sign at the Stars practice facility in in Frisco, and it it states, "It is amazing what you can accomplish if you do not care who gets credit." 
and the stars finally look like they're living uh, that that creed. They're they're the embodiment of that right now. Of of would you agree? Yeah, well, yeah it's funny it's, that you brought that up. Like things like Hudobin or Essa Lindell's goal, the amount of excitement that players have for their teammate is incredible. Like they are just so excited that Essa Lindell went down and scored that goal, and they're all just laughing and just you know, patting each other on the back, it really is the epitome of that thing because they, they want their teammate to have those experiences. Yeah, the Avalanche are saying, did he, did he really score that goal? He did. I, yeah, I know he did. <laughs> of course, he, did. he celebrated like he did. Yeah. You just call it on the celebration. I, I, it worked for the Stars, and I'm happy it did, but I'll, I'll be honest with you, I, I still don't understand, and I've heard it from Stephen Wacom, who, who runs the refs. They want them to make a call on the ice. At least they did in, in years past, like make a call. And but I don't understand why you would make a call. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you you, you have the the uh, video review at your disposal. Just go, hey, I'm not sure because the the way the rule states, if you say it's a goal, man, you have to overturn that with video evidence. If you just say I don't know, then you go to video review and you go, I still don't know. Well, we can't call it a goal if we don't know. We can't invent a goal, yeah, or or, or guess. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it, it was it was kind of imperfect, but it was a stumbling, bumbling, rumbling run by Essa down the wing to score it. It's super awesome. And I love this comment. He goes, "Yeah, I had a guy over there, but uh, I don't have the hands to throw a saucer." It's <laughs> 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 quite open with the oh. and he's just like, you know. So yeah. I just shot at the five hole. Yeah, put it on net. It goes in. Of course. Uh, uh, I will say, uh, last night post game, Joe Pavelski referred to Essa as the albino rhino. And I, really <laughs> hope, I really hope that's something that catches on because that's just brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's truly who he is. It was on that play. <laughs> just uh, perfect. So, anyway, the. Uh, yeah, they, you're right, Mike. That was a good support. They they are pretty amazing right now because they do not care who gets the accolades. Of course, that does not apply to rinky-dinking here, does it? Here, I expect most, if not all, of the accolades for the absolute premium, mediocre quality of this broadcast. You two are merely coattail surfers. And uh, I am the king of the pod world. I am great. You guys are good. Stars fans are awesome. And the hockey club is 37.5% of their way to the franchise's second Stanley Cup. Bam! Start mapping out the parade route, Dallas. We're coming home with it. 